Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Welcome to One Church. Um, I'd like to be able to introduce you to a fellow, a good friend of mine by the name of Luther Ramsey. He's on staff with us. He does uh, outreach and missions, and he would like uh, to be able to talk to you about an opportunity. Hey, guys. Uh, I know as we've kind of worked through the week this week, um, a lot of you, like me, have kind of tried to figure out, you know, what can I do in this? How can I make a difference? Um, you know, for, I'm, I'm sure for a lot of you, your home isn't flooded. Um, your traffic was a little messed up this week. Uh, you know, some minor uh, inconveniences. But, uh, but there are folks in this town whose home literally is underwater still. Uh, I work with Tennessee Disaster Relief. It's one of the things we do uh, here at One Church. Uh, whenever you give, and, and when I start that sentence off, we're going to go on and do our offering here in about two or three minutes. Um, so if you need to get a check, want to start working on that, we're going to go on and do that early today. So uh, I'll let the guys know in just a minute. They can come on down. But um, whenever you give to one church, one of the things we do with that money, uh, just like we ask you to tithe, we tithe with what we get. 12% of everything that we get here at one church, uh, we send off to the cooperative program. And one of the things they support in that is uh, Tennessee Disaster Relief. Uh, and we're in a disaster right here in Clarksville now, but there are disasters all year long, all over the country and all over the world. And we have teams that go out and do mud out, which is what we're going to be doing here in Clarksville for a while. Uh, we got teams that go out and they will literally get all the stuff out of people's homes, pull the drywall, pull the insulation, spray everything down with bleach uh, so we can stop mold growth. We've got chainsaw teams that go into areas after tornadoes hit uh, and, and you know get people where they can get back to their homes. Um, we've got feeding trailers that can do 10,000 hot meals a day when we show up on site in areas where everything's been devastated. So the money you're giving to us actually goes to things that really impact people where they are. Uh, if you guys want to come on and do the offering. Um, I spent yesterday morning out going through neighborhoods with the disaster relief program, meeting homeowners and seeing where it was we could kind of help them out uh, and letting them know that we had teams that will show up to their house for free. Um, and free is the key word there, and take care of getting all that molded stuff out of their home, getting everything cleaned out. Um, and actually, one of those couples was here this morning, and, and yesterday when I started telling them, she started crying. Uh, and she said, you know, we don't have flood insurance. We don't, they live in a neighborhood a mile from here that has no water. There's no creek. There's no pond. There's no anything. And this morning, there's about a 40-acre lake in the middle of their neighborhood. Um, and so she just started crying yesterday, and she said, you'll come do that for free? Um, they were here this morning uh, and had that same conversation out there. Chris and I prayed with them and, um, just to see how out of control their life is and how just upside down everything is and how something as simple as us showing up with six or eight guys in a week or two when the water finally goes down and helping them sort through their, their, their goods and ripping all their appliances out, pulling all their drywall and stopping the mold. What a difference that's making in their life. Um, if that's something you feel like you could do, or you could do a chainsaw team, or you could work in a feeding kitchen, um, we're going to be doing training tonight at the church office. Uh, that'll be from 6 to 8. Um, you'll do an introduction to Tennessee Disaster Relief from 6 to 7, and then 7 to 8, we're going to do the flood training. We're going to teach you what you need to show up in, what you need to watch out for, uh, to know that if you put your hand in a corner and it's black, you should look first, because there may be a snake in there, because lots of critters have come out. Because uh, their homes aren't where they used to be. So, but guys, we would love to have as many of you there as possible. I know I've already got a couple small groups that are going to show up tonight. Um, and they're going to try to serve together as a group. But whether you're an individual or a group, um, 
to give you an idea of what we're looking at, I need 100 volunteers tomorrow morning here in Clarksville who are trained to go into the Dunbar Cave area. We, we met with seven homeowners yesterday who literally were going to have to rip out their drywall from floor to ceiling. They're flooded all the way to their ceiling. Um, we're going to be doing this for months, guys. So if you can't work during the week, that's okay. We'll put you to work on a Saturday. Um, hurricane season is coming. We're going to be sending teams down into the Gulf probably in a month or two. Um, so whatever your area is that you think you could help out in this, you've got to do this first step. You've got to be trained before we'll put you out in someone's home. Um, so we would love to have you guys there tonight. You can email me at luther at onechurch.tv if you've got questions or you can't make tonight and you'd still like to do something. Uh, we're going to be doing some additional training classes um, this week and probably some more at the church office in the next week or two. So just hit me at luther at onechurch.tv. Um, if you need to text uh, 320-0821, you can see me after the service. I'll be happy to talk with you about any of that. Thanks, Mark. <clears throat> Ryan, Josh, and myself um, this past Sunday uh, were driving to Atlanta. We left at about 4 o'clock a week ago today, and we were going down to Atlanta um, to go to a church conference. And uh, we got in Nashville about 5 o'clock uh, last Sunday evening, and it took us about an hour and a half to get out of Nashville uh, just because of all the floodwaters. Uh, interstates were closed, and uh, police would divert us to a, a road, and we would drive on that, and it would be closed. And eventually, the only way to get out of Nashville, we had to drive through really high water that the police were there directing us um, that was hitting the bottom of the, of the car. And it was, it was intense. And uh, as, we were, um, as we were in Atlanta, we kept on trying to find news channels to, that covered everything that was happening here. And every time we went into a restaurant, they always had ESPN or whatever on. And it just was very frustrating because we, we could not hear what was happening here in Nashville and here in Clarksville. Um, when pictures started coming through mainly Facebook, um, I was just flabbergasted, to be honest with you. I, just, I, I was just in tears. I remember the, the, our first night at the conference, I looked at Josh and Ryan and said, you know, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. I want to be able to help. And I knew, I knew that if we went home, we couldn't help because in a lot of ways, we still can't help. We can't help until the city gives us the green light to be able to go in and help. Until that time, until they give us that green light, we want to be able to be trained. We want to be able to say, okay, we know what we need to do. Now, once the city says, go. We want to be able to be there. But I just, I was just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. And even this morning, I drove uh, uh, down to the Woodstock subdivision, as uh, Luther was mentioning, up literally a mile away from this place. And I looked at it, and I saw this huge, I mean, just water. And I'm thinking, that's weird. I didn't know there was a pond there, and there wasn't a pond there. And now there's just this massive lake and just houses up to the second floor, just covered. And just being overwhelmed. My wife, where uh, she works, um, is underwater. She manages uh, um, music students uh, at a store and um, 300 students uh, and 17 teachers. And these are people who, this is how they make their money to be able to pay their rent, to pay their mortgage. This 
flood has affected everybody. And here's the thing. I want you to hear me on this one. Some of you, maybe your lives were turned upside down because over the past week because of this stuff. But probably for most of you, as Luther mentioned, probably not. But you're affected through different types of storms in your life right now. You may be affected because of a spouse is just is, a, is this close to just giving up and throwing in the towel. It may be for you that your life is in the middle of a financial turmoil because you just feel like you're drowning in debt. For others, you feel like, you know, I am, I am had it up to here with all of the deployments. And I just want my spouse home. For some of you, it's because you have a, a child who has walked away from God and they've graduated and they're just continuing to run and run. And for others, it's because you've lost a husband. You've lost a wife because of a disease, because of death. Here's the thing I know about each and every one of us. Three things. You're either in a storm right now. You just came through a storm. Or everything's hunky-dory and buckle up. You're getting ready to go through one. Because all of us, all of us go through rough times. All of us go through troubles. All of us go through problems. In fact, this is how Jesus describes it in John 16, 33. Not a lot of encouragement. Jesus says this. Know this. That in this life, you will experience, you will have trouble. (laughs) In this world, you're going to have some trouble. <laughs> Thanks. Right? Not only that, not only is troubles inevitable, I mean, you think about that. That's not, that's not a lot of sunshine and lollipops in that statement, is there? Jesus went on and he said this, not only are you going to have trouble, but good people and bad people are going to have problems because he says this in Matthew. In Matthew, he says this, He makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. It doesn't matter if you're doing good. It doesn't matter if you're doing bad. There's some things in life that you're just going to have troubles with. You're going to have problems. You're going to experience life. And some of that has to do with storms. Some of that has to do with physical storms. Some of it has to do with just stuff. And it's easy to get overwhelmed. In fact, in between the services, I was just—I was talking to my wife Kim, and uh, she was down on Riverside Drive just trying to gut some, gut the store she works in. And you know everything's fine, but t- last night, I mean, now the, the waters have receded from Riverside Drive. Last night, she's just in the bed crying, and she says, "Isn't this just like me? Everything's starting to get better, and I start falling apart." And you know, the thing about it is, that's normal. This is not going to be something that we can just be able to flip a switch and everything's going to be all right overnight. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to take us. It's going to take you. It's going to take me. It's going to take us being the church. This is what God has called us to. This is what God has called us here today for, to be the church. Not just a group of people who likes talking and singing and all of this stuff, but a group of people who will do that, but also will link arm in arm and work together and be the church. That's what this community needs. And praise God, as I'm, as I'm, as I'm looking through the paper, it seems like churches 
all over this community, not only here, but also in Nashville, they're finally getting it that it's not about denominations. It's not about stupid labels. It's not about any of this other mess. It is about people saying, I love God and I love people and I don't care what label you have. I don't even care if you say you even believe in my God. It takes all of us. Because when storms come, and they will come, and they have come, and if you're good, buckle up, partner. They're coming. Storms, all of us will experience them, and when we experience it, we feel out of control. That's how I felt when I was in Atlanta, just looking at these pictures. Just out of control. And nobody could predict it. Really, if you think about it, nobody... my wife, the person she works with down t- downtown on Riverside Drive, it was like, yeah, it may get a foot high. Two foot high. I mean, that's Ron Howe speaking, by the way. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the best meteorologist in the world. Sometimes, you, sometimes there's some storms you can't predict. Isn't that right? How many of y'all are meteorologists in here? Welcome to One Church. All right, thank you. Awesome. But, you know, n- there's some things you can't predict. There's some things that we can't control. And we start asking ourselves, then what can we control? And who is in control? Really, who is in control? Well, amazingly enough, storms, they're not new. When you, I want, if, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to experience, we're going to see Jesus and his disciples caught up in a literal storm. A literal storm. Matthew chapter 8, verse 24. We're seeing that storms happen to everybody, even Jesus and the disciples. And this is what it says. Without warning. There it is, people. Alright? There's some Doppler radar just don't work. Alright? Sometimes it just happens without warning. A furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. And guess what? And Jesus was sleeping. The storm was furious and the disciples felt completely out of control and Jesus was on the boat. But what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. Now that tells me a couple of things. Number one, how many of y'all have ever been like in a very, 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 very small boat in a storm? Anyone? It ain't like being... On like a, a like on a cruise, all right. I mean, it's going this. It's it's all up in everybody's business, right? I mean, he. Can you imagine just how tired Jesus had to have been to slept through a storm? And again, we're not talking. This is not a battleship he's in. This is in a little small boat that it's a fishing boat that you can get about twelve people in. He's down there and he is asleep. Now, notice this. Let me tell you where this comes in context. Matthew chapter 8. We've been talking about in the series Hoarders, where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about that's the greatest teaching ever taught. And he taught it on the side of this mountainside. And he said some wonderful things like, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We're to pray for our enemies. We are to love our enemies. We are um, to do above and beyond just what the law of Moses says. And then he ends with an illustration about a storm. And all the disciples are going, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then he heals 
sick people. He heals a leper. He casts out demons. And he's doing all of this amazing stuff for other people. And the disciples are going, that's good. That's good. But then Jesus and the disciples get in the boat. And what happens to them? They get rocked by a storm. You see, it's easy, it's all good and great when stuff's happened to other people and Jesus steps in and going, yeah, that's good. That's good. Jesus can do that for you. Yeah. It's easy to be on the outside looking in and saying, well, Jesus is the answer. It's easy to do that. But when your life gets rocked, it gets a little bit more difficult, don't it? And that's exactly what we're going to see with the disciples here. They... Their lives, it's going to get really, really personal. Really personal. He saw them heal the sick. He saw Jesus raise the dead, all all this stuff. And to him, to, to the disciples, he's just a guy. He's not God yet. He's just a guy who's a good teacher. Now, is he God? You betcha. But they don't know he's God yet. They see him as just a man. They see Jesus as a good teacher who has some miracles and has some of this stuff. And they're impressed with Jesus. His disciples are from the, back, you know, from the outside looking in. And they're impressed with Jesus, how he does all this stuff with other things and other people. But when it comes to their life in this storm, they panic because it's personal. Deci- the disciples knew Jesus could do some amazing things. And he has done some amazing things. But when it got personal for them, they got scared. They feared the worst. I've been in that boat of you. Where just, you start thinking the worst. I've been in that boat. Have you, where you start thinking, God, where are you at? Jesus, are you asleep on me? Jesus, have you fallen asleep and what in the world's happening? I've been in that boat. When you just start scratching your head and going, what are you up to? You, you, you can speak in other people's lives. You can do miracles in other people's lives. You can just raise stuff from the dead in other people's lives. But when it comes to me, I am, I, man, I've got mist all over me and the, the waves are crashing all over me and I feel like my life is getting ready to be swamped. Because it's easy to say, you know what? Yeah, that's good that Jesus is working in your life. And it's easy for for us to say Jesus is the answer for you. But when our lives start getting rocked by storms and floods and cancer and divorce and loss of a job and the 15th deployment. it's, it's, It's hard for us to be able to actually focus on Jesus. It's hard for us to actually have faith. In Jesus. And we start wondering, is, is Jesus asleep? Is Jesus asleep? The disciples decided it was time to wake Jesus up. So, in verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. I mean, do you hear the panic in their voices? We are going down. And at this point, they weren't thinking about the the teaching he just taught. 
At this point, they're not thinking about the leper he just cured. At this point, they're not thinking about the person who was crippled who now can walk. At this point, they are panicking and they felt out of control. Out of control. And it's not the last time that Jesus has been approached by that type of desperation. Because all of us have come to him in a sense of urgency saying, God, if you don't do something in this situation, I'm going to drown. If you don't do something in this situation, my spouse is going to walk. If you don't do something in this situation, my child is not going to make it. If you don't do something in this situation, I'm not going to continue to have a job. And if I can't have a job, I can't pay the bills. And if I can't pay the bills, I can't support my family. And if I can't support my family, then what am I doing? All of us have approached Jesus with that type of desperation, feeling like the world is out of control. And sometimes we start thinking, maybe he's just too busy. He's taking care of everybody else's important stuff, and he's not, care, he's not really caring about me. He doesn't care if I get evicted. He doesn't care if I get pushed out on the street. But he does care. And we're going to find out he isn't too busy. He's still in control. Look at how Jesus responds after he wakes up. Now, by the way, if you would have woke me up, in the middle of a dead sleep, saying, help me, I'm going to drown. Let me tell you how I would have responded. <laughs> Which is why I'm not Jesus. Look at this. He, he's, he's still in control. Verse 26. He, what does it say? Okay, this is all skate morning, peeps. He what? He replied. He replied to who? The disciples. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then it says, then he got up and what? Rebuked. The winds and the waves, and they were completely calm. I got to be honest with you, if I was Jesus, I would have reversed those. I would have said, Jesus rebuked them, saying, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and responded. That's not how Jesus did it, though. See, some of us, we're thinking, Chris, you're bringing up some, some tough questions right now that I feel like you're being kind of disrespectful to God. Okay, let's just have a fireside chat real quick, all right? This does not go with my decor. If Jesus is all-knowing, and the Bible teaches that he is, and if you're thinking it, why not just say it? Right? In fact, there's many times in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament that David, he is ticked off with God. And he doesn't sing, you know, let's just sing Kumbaya. He doesn't do that. He's like, God, what are you doing? Job did, Job did the same thing. Again, you're thinking it. He knows what you're thinking. You ain't, I mean, seriously. So he's saying, you know what? He, Jesus, he didn't rebuke the disciples. He responded to them. And if he didn't do that to the, those 12 guys, he's not going to do it to you. God is not afraid of you being real with him. Do you know that? Now, you may be afraid of maybe being real with somebody, maybe a person you know, because you may think that they may reject you. Know this, my friend. God will never reject you. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. He saw you when you were at your worst. And if you're thinking mess in your head, go ahead and be real and tell him. Because he can take it. He can totally take it. He didn't rebuke the disciples. He responded to the disciples and he rebuked the waves. 
No, no, he says, you have such little faith. You have such little faith. Sometimes our faith is just really small. <laughs> but he doesn't rebuke, rebuke us for having small faith. Because he tells us elsewhere that if you just have faith as small as a little bitty speck, small as a, as a mustard seed, God can do some amazing things. You can move some mountains with a small faith. Why? Because it's not the, how big your faith is. It's about how big your God is. Some of you, you've been listening to a lot of televangelists too much. I'm going to be honest with you. they got bad hairdos. They want to heal people, hear their bald spot. That's all I'm saying. All right? You say, well, you know what? If you have enough faith, then send me a million dollars, and I'm going to send you a prayer hanky. And, but, but, and, and, and this is how they, this is what, well, you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. That is jacked up. Because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain, hey, you go over here because it's, it's not the size of your faith. It's the size of the faith you have in, in God, the bigness of God. God, it's the big God that we need to have faith in, not how much faith we have. So Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He responds, and then he rebukes the wind and the waves. Man. Regardless, I mean, they're feeling out of control, but know this. And if you're feeling out of control and you feel like everything's hitting, you just don't feel like God is around. That may be your feeling, but know that feeling is not fact. Feeling is not fact. Feeling is feeling. And you may feel that God is not in control, but you better know this, that Jesus is in control, even though you think he's asleep in your boat. He is in control. He can be more in control asleep than you can awake worrying. Seriously. Let's just cut through it. He is, he is more control in your boat asleep than you are awake in the middle of the night worrying, wringing your hands. Because God is in control. Verse 27, the disciples were amazed. Everybody say amazed. They were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? <laughs> I mean, think about this. It's, it's going. I mean, the waters are going over. And, I mean, they're rocking back and forth. And Jesus says, he does that Caesar Milan thing on the waves. All right? You know what I mean? And the waves go. And then all of a sudden, it's just quiet. I don't know if I was in the boat with you. I don't know where I would be more scared. In, in the storm or in the calm after the storm going who is this? We thought he was just a, a good teacher. And that really is the entire point of storms, people. You see, because before the storm, we, we just see, we see Jesus maybe as our homeboy. We see Jesus as a good teacher. We see Jesus as kind of like something maybe that if we, if we pray to him in the right way or if we rub him three times and we can get what we want, and we just see him as something that's small that we can kind of take and put in our pocket. But hear me. It's here. They ask the question, who, what kind of man is this? Let me tell you what type of man he is. He is 100% man, but you better believe he is 100% God. And God, if he's in your boat, all it takes is for him to go, <laughs> right? And the, and the storm ain't a storm anymore, but you're on a glass Glassy lake. 
And that is how Jesus, that is how God works. And I totally believe up to this point, they're like, okay, we saw him do all this other stuff, but this is the defining moment. I think this is where some of them went like this. And they're like, whoa, this dude is more than just a man. This dude may be the God-man. He may be the fella that we've been waiting for. And let me just tell you this. He is the God that you've been waiting for. You see, some of you, you've tried religion, you've tried denominations, you've tried all of this other stuff, and it just hadn't done anything for you. And some of you are here maybe for the first time because you're like, you know what, i got to go to church somewhere. It's bad. i got to go today. Hear me. This church ain't going to change your life. You put a 20 in the offering bucket, it ain't going to change your life. You getting baptized again ain't going to change your life. The only person who can change your life is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. I can't. None of these people up on stage can't. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can calm your storm. Jesus can make all of the numbers just kind of fit so that you can pay the bills. Jesus can do that. No one else can do that. So if you're here this morning, you're like, you know, I've been out of church for a while. You know what? I'm not throwing stones at you. I've left church as well. Welcome back. But know this, that Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And even when you feel like your life is dadgum out of control, where you're pulling your hair out and you're lying in bed crying at night, know that Jesus is in control. And that is our big idea today. That even in the storms, even in the storms, even in the floods, God is in control. You know, if I were to walk around this room last week and say, do you believe God's in control? Seriously, do you believe it? Most of you go, yeah, I believe it. Cool. And we could have left it at that. Hey, do you believe God's in control? Yeah, sure enough. I believe it. Do you believe God's, I mean, really in control of everything that happens? Is he in control of the weather? Is he in control of circumstances? Is he in control of relationships? Is he in control of finances? Is he, yeah, yeah. And it's easy for us to say that on the outside looking in. But you know what? God has given us an opportunity, me and you an opportunity, because it's a week later and the waters have risen. And people's lives have been changed. Next week, I'm going to be interviewing someone up on the stage who have, who's literally lost everything. I was reading a blog the other day and she was saying she got out of her house before it flooded with a pair of gray sweatpants. And she joked, it was the essentials. And you know what she says? And you know what she's saying? God is in control. God is in control. The storms aren't in control. God is in control. It's easy for us to say before it happens, but if we can say it after it happens, then maybe, just maybe, it's that little faith that we were just reading that could take a mountain and say, you move from here and I want you to go over there. And it's not how big my faith is. It's about how big my God I serve is. It's all about Jesus. This is how we're going to close. I want you to do two things. By the way, this, um, 
this sermon, this teaching, this talk, whatever you want to call it, um, we punted everything. We were going to start a Mother's Day series starting today called Beautiful, and we punted that for two weeks. So, by the way, moms, happy Mother's Day. We do love you very much. Um, but we just decided, you know what, instead of starting this series on beautiful, because things right now, they look more like this picture, they don't really look beautiful. We said, you know what, let's talk about everything that's happened. Because I believe that's exactly what Jesus would do. And I want, I'm asking you to do two things. The first one is really easy. And that's this. Tonight, at our one church offices, at 6 o'clock, we're going to have disaster relief. We're going to train you so that you can go out and be able to serve people. Serve the couple like I met after the first service today. That we can go into their home, we can start taking down drywall, we can start um, spraying stuff with bleach, we can start rebuilding after the rains. But we can't do that unless you're prepared and I'm prepared. And to be honest with you, I don't know what the snikies I'm doing. You need to know that. All right, some of you going, I've known that for quite some time, Chris. All right. I don't know, when it comes to disaster relief, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to be there tonight. Six o'clock, one church offices. How many of y'all going to be there tonight? Thank you, guys. I know it's Mother's Day. All right? I know it is. And I know the timing of this stinks. We know that. I know that. So I'm asking you to be there tonight, six o'clock. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is this. And this might be a little bit more difficult. We're going to close the service this morning a little bit differently. Um, instead of playing with a rocking song and me uh, jumping into the crowd on the stage, and I know you ladies are you're thanking God that I don't do that. Um, we're going to bring the lights down here in a sec. And I'm going to ask all the staff at one church, all of, if you lead a small group here at one church, if you're an apprentice at a small group, I'm going to ask all of you guys to stand up, all of you ladies to stand up, and I want you to be on the sides of this theater. And, it, and we're probably going to have too many. We're probably going to have to have some people down here. And uh, I'm going to ask you that if you're experiencing some storms and you just need somebody to pray with, just pray with. I want to be able to give you the opportunity to do that. And it may have something to do with the floods. It may have nothing to do with the elements. It may have something to do with your messed up husband or your messed up wife. It may have something to do with your messed up self. And you just need somebody to go and pray with. Somebody to just be real with. And we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And... Um, is as uh, you're standing up, if you're a small, or maybe you're not any one of those people, but you're like, I'm willing to pray with somebody. I'm willing to pray with somebody. Would you just go ahead and start making your way to the sides, please? And as the band comes out, I want to, um, and before I pray, let me, they're going to close with It Is Well, that song you heard. Let me give you the story behind that song. Back in 1871, Horatio Spafford wrote the song It Is Well. Let me give you the context of, how, of where he wrote that song. Um, him and his wife and his four daughters lived in Chicago. And through a natural disaster of fire, the fire of Chicago, the great fire of Chicago, they lost everything. And they decided, you know what, 
It's time to move. It's time to get a different perspective. It's time to go do something else. So they decided that they were going to cross the Atlantic and go start a ministry in another country being missionaries. So um, Horatio couldn't go at the time because he still had some stuff to tie up loose ends back in Chicago. But he sent his wife and his four young daughters, put them on a ship, and they started steaming across the Atlantic Ocean. Unbeknownst to Horatio, halfway through the trip, his wife and his four daughters' ship struck another ship, and everybody died. The four girls died, and the mom, Horatio's wife, was spared. And Horatio didn't know anything about it until two weeks later when his wife finally got on dry ground and sent a telegram, and it said this. It says, all is lost, stop. Saved alone, stop. And he decided, what, what, what do I do? What do I do? I just lost my four young girls. He decided to keep on going and to be the missionary that God had called him to. So he gets on a steam steamboat and he starts steaming across the Atlantic and halfway there, the captain of the ship calls him up on the bow of the ship and says, it's, it's, it's this spot that we believe that the ship went down with your four young daughters. And he's sitting down there and he's looking over these calm waters. Inside, he's just churning. And hot tears start going down his face and he goes back down below the deck and he writes this song. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, God has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, there's many people here today who on the outside, their face just looks really, really calm. Everything looks calm for them, and, um, but Lord, it's not calm at home. It's not calm at their job. It's not calm at their work. It's not calm in their bank account. And Lord, it is not well with them. And Lord, instead of us trying to fake it till we make it, instead of us trying to just put our show faces on and look the Christian part, maybe the best thing we can do as a church is just let people inside and let them know that we are hurting. Because God, you already know it. You know it all. And it's time for us to let somebody else know. Your word says in, in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, Confess your sins to one another and pray with someone else so that you can be healed. And Lord, that's what we, that's what you are offering today, God. And Lord, I just pray right now, as the band plays and as we sing these words, Lord, there's some people that don't need to sing in here this morning. They need to go and find somebody on the sides of these walls and say, will you please pray for me? Things are not good right now. Here's what's happening. Please pray for me. I pray that all of us would be able to have the courage because all of us in here are either just went through a storm or smack dab in the middle of one or it's getting ready to happen. Lord, we love you. 
And we thank you so much that when you're in our boat, everything's going to be okay. In Jesus' name, amen. like a river when peace like a